This episode is sponsored by Best Life Coaching Society. You're in the right place. You're checking out Chip Baker, the success chronicle. another episode of the success chronicles and today we have mr george uh sierra and uh mr sierra is an, has an amazing story of overcoming and, and using his struggles to you know be an inspiration to so many and I'm, I'm thankful that he's joining us today and so if you if you would please let's go ahead and jump right into it tell us your life story you know where you're from and how you grew up and those kind of things so my life story right we're going to be here for a little, but yeah. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm Hispanic. I'm Puerto Rican. Uh, I was uh, born in Puerto Rico, and, but raised in um, Connecticut. And, um, you know, I, I grew up in, uh, my grandmother raised me. Uh, didn't, didn't, mom was, was around, but my mom had me when she was about 15. So she was young herself. And, um, you know, we kind of grew up more like brothers and sisters for say, so, uh, you know, mamas would come around here and there, but my grandmother raised me. I had my great grandmother in the house. I also had my aunt. Uh, it was a house full of uh, females growing up. I had two, two male figures in the house, which were one, one of them was my uncle and the other one was my step uh, grandfather, but both were uh, heroin addicts. And, you know, they weren't too much in the house, if you could say so. Even though they were in the, you know, you would see them at time, uh, you know, they, they were in and out and it was never a, a pleasant um, uh, memory when it came to those two. So I pretty much emerged myself living in a, in a, in a, in a female all environment. Um, I come from a long line of uh, welfare recipients and, you know, uh, I remember, you know, just when I was here, hi, man, they just, my grandmother and them just sit there and just think about, just sit in, sit in the living room, think about how they're going to get over on the, on the government and how they were going to survive for the next week and how the bills are going to get paid. And, and it was just all a hustle. It was everything that, that came out, you know, out of that, that, that environment was all how we could get over on people. And, and, I, and, and it wasn't intentionally. I don't think it was something that they were, you know, my, my, you know I don't want to down downgrade my family good women strong women um they did the best they knew they took care of me the best they they they, they knew um but you know looking back it, it you know that was the environment that they, they probably were emerged all their lives and it was just survival mode so um there was a lot of things that even when i was young i had said to myself i wasn't going to do 
just because I, I wasn't comfortable with a lot of it. Um, once I got exposed to school, you get to see the difference between um, certain things. And, um, you know, I, one thing I never touched was just heroin. Why? Because I seen what that did to, to my family firsthand. I seen what that, like, even when I was out in the streets and I, and I dabbled into selling drugs, like, that was something I would not touch. Like, I, I was just, like, not with that. Like, I knew what that did, like, personally, not only to families, but individuals, how it would eat them up. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, um, by the age of 13, I, I, I found myself looking for other places to mimic because as a young fellow, as a, as a, as a boy, and I can only speak as a boy, right? Um, you know, we always look for uh, some type of superhero, some type of male figure, either in TV, either, either in your household, um, or in the streets. And the closest to me, um, after I got to a certain age, I started looking outside and, 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 you know, watching the dope boys and seeing what they did and how they did it and how they, they, they flashed certain things and they were able to get certain things. So, you know, um, coming from, from a, a long line of welfare recipients, the mentality was just very uh, average. They were, they, were, they were contained with, you know, being in the position they did, not because they didn't have the, the gifts or the skills, but they were just all right with being where they were. And um, I had promised myself I, I didn't want to live that life, you know, from a, a, a young, but all I knew was what's in front of me. And um, so by the age of 13, I started smoking bud. I started, um, you know, emerging myself into the, 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 the street life. Uh, by the age I was 15, um, you know, I was already involved with gangs. I was already um, emerged into street activity. And, and, you know, I can remember at the age of 15, I promise you, not only I was engaging with it, but I was like one of the front, I was in the front lines. I was, I was, I was one of the, the doers. I was one of the, the, the ones um, instigating uh, certain situations um, so, uh, you know, one thing is just being around it. One thing is, is being exposed to it, but one thing is being it. And, um, I was, I was, I was full blown gang activity, play with those guns. I played with the, with the drugs. Um, I was numb, numb to life by, by 15, I was pretty much numb to life. And I, I, I accepted my situation to be who I thought I was. Um, you know, and that, that my surroundings, I, I let my surroundings determine who I was as a person. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, that right there, you know, led me to catching a drug case, a crack case. It was, uh, 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 I got caught with crack cocaine. Uh, reason why is because I was walking by, I had just grabbed some, some crack. I was going to the projects, literally walking from one side of town to the other. And I happened to walk by the courthouse was as I was walking by the courthouse with crack cocaine on my on my pocket I had a flannel just bought the flannel I was you know money in my pocket I had a couple of a uh, couple of uh, I had a vial of crack I was gonna go and make some more money and I stopped to speak to somebody a couple of fellas that were outside the courtroom which I, I believe they were uh, waiting for for their case to be called that's why they were there but as the midst of, the, of me talking to them at that moment, somebody, I guess, prior to me arriving, there was playing with a cap gun, a fake gun. So they called the, the detective because at the courthouse, you had the police department and then you had the courthouse on top. So with my luck, I get hemmed up against the wall. What do they find? They find the crack cocaine on the premises of the courthouse. Ooh. So 
Yeah. So, you know, at that point, um, things started shifting. Things started shifting and it wasn't for the better. Um, so a month after that, you know, I got arranged. Um, I, I, I did for the grace of God. I, um, I didn't get, you know, I didn't, I wasn't kept there. I got bailed out and my grandmother bailed me out. And, um, that's one thing she was always good at bailing me out. Um, and, and, you know, which hey, praise God, I don't have her with me, but I wouldn't be here for that lady. If that lady didn't step in when she needed to step in. And, um, I had a court case the following month. I remember that it was May 2nd of 94. And my, my, my grandmother couldn't take me, so my mother had to take me. So I remember that day like it was clear yesterday. She just barking and, and, and you know, reminded me how much of a, a waste I was and, and, and why, why is it that I'm always a screw-up and, and, and that she has to take time off of work because she can't make money to pay her bills because now she's got to come with me to the court. And I was like, you know, I, I, I got it. I understood. And, and she just kept pressing. And I was like, yeah, I was just so numb to it. And I remember saying to myself, like, you know, at the end of the day, one thing in my household, I don't care how big you are. I don't care. You don't disrespect mom. You know what I'm saying? Even if you, even if you're not, right. even if you're not right, I mean, even if she's not right, and and you just you eat that, you know. And I remember saying to myself, like, yo, like I got it, lady. Like I, I get it. I get it. Like it's it's it sucked that I was even in the position, right? Like I mean, who does that? So I was just done with myself. Like I done some dumb stuff, but like that was like the ultimate dump. You get caught, caught if, at the doorsteps. Yeah. Like they just had to walk me inside the building. Like it was yeah. just, I was just like, you kidding me? <laughs> um, so she, she, she wasn't letting it go. So as we go into the courtroom, um, because I was a minor, I was seventeen. So that's why she needed to come with me. I, I remember coming into the courtroom, uh, into the building, and and she still, you know, doing what she does best. It's just reminding me. <laughs> Um, so we sit down, we waiting for the judge and, um, I'm saying to myself at that moment, I'm like, yo, like life, like something's got to change, man. Like, I, I, like this is, this is, see, even though I was emerging to a certain lifestyle, I, there was always something inside of me that kind of like told me like, yo, this, it's gotta be something better. You know, like, you know, better. Like, it was just that voice. Right. And, um, as I'm sitting there, I, I see this gentleman that walks through the doors and um, he happens to be an, an, an op, an opposite uh, uh, gang rival, gang member that we have been actually uh, going back and forth for a year. And it was actually a, a statewide, uh, 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 you know, dispute. It wasn't even in my Bristol. It was, it was like statewide. Like it was just one of those things that the, at that time the media was playing such a big role in it because every time somebody would get hurt and one part of the state – and it would come up to the news and dudes would just come up and go out there and try to like really retaliate, even if they didn't even know who Joe Smo is, but it was part of the same clique or the same name. And it was, it, it was back in Connecticut in 94. Anybody that, that ever lived uh, around that time in Connecticut, Hartford, you know, the whole state, Connecticut was just, was, was out of, out of control. Um, so the media was playing a role and I remember he came in, my stomach nodded. I don't know if you ever experienced, and I'm sure you have, like you, you walk into a situation, you just know. Like your stomach just. Yeah, like this ain't like, good. You can smell it in the air. You can yeah. finger through it. I, I looked at him, he looked at me, he got on the phone, made a phone call. I made a phone call. Um, you know, my mom's on my neck, like, yo, like chill. She already seen my, my the, the hairs, of, and my hairs in the back of my neck stood up. Like, uh, I, I know that this is one of those situations that it's just not going to get any better. 
And and at that point, I'm 17. I'm emerging to the street, so I'm but I'm like, I'm going to do talk to some sheriff. Like, you know, that was my whole mindset. Like, I'm not going. I'm I'm not going to fold. I can't fold. Like, this is what it is. Um, on a regular day, they would have never caught me like that by myself. And and so, his people got there first. He had about four individuals with him. And, you know, one thing led to another and, you know, they started throwing the sets up. They started throwing the gang, the gang signs up. At that point, I'm still, you know, I'm still just, just you know, we grilling eye to eye. They sit right in front of me. They doing all the extra. Um, my mom, she, 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 she started shaking. She's like, yo, chill. And I'm like, yo, I'm not doing anything. So one of them disrespected my mother. And from there, just I went in, you know, I started, I started fighting. I, I fought a couple of them at the moment. The sheriffs, uh, what they did was um, instead of grabbing us and really booking everybody, because they knew it was gang related, uh, they knew it was uh, affiliated. Um, uh, amazingly, they threw everybody outside, like into the streets, like like literally, like grab moms, grab all of us, like y'all gonna go, and not only y'all gonna go, y'all gonna get warrants. So I was just at that point, I was racks, I was I was steaming, I was just I was. I was like, yo, now we're going to do it. Now, now it is what it is. Like, you know what I'm saying? You just fed me into the woods, uh, into the wolves. And, 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 you know, I don't see where I come from and, and, and your ego will get the best of you no matter what, you know, that whole macho, um, not thinking about myself. That's the last thing. I'm not even thinking about moms. Not thinking about, you know, just just life, right? Decisions. And decisions will turn your life in seconds, whether it's good or bad. They're gonna, they're gonna really, they're gonna, it's gonna really turn you. So I promise you, as they grab me, they grab, you know, uh both parties and they throw us out there. Remember, like there's four of them, it's just me and moms, you know, um, and they threw us outside. So I square off right back again. Like, what am I supposed to do? At this point, I know what's coming. I know what's coming. And I promise you, I, I, I remember my mom, she was like on my left side. And, and in the midst of all that, she says, she says, gun. And as soon as she said gun, I had like, when I tell you, my brother, I had a quick second to you that I could have probably ran into the building or jump right in front of moms. And obviously I did what I needed to do. And I jumped right in front of mom and I just. May 2nd of 94. I got gunned down at the doorsteps of the Bristol courthouse, you know? And I remember when I first got hit, the two bullets hit. And I remember saying to myself, all right, baby boy, they're about to kill you. Like, wow. Not real. So have you ever seen the movie Matrix? As soon as I got hit, everything just slowed down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything was just slowed down. And um, as I laid there, he ran by me and hit me a couple more times. You know, um, so I was 17, um, the shooter was 15, um, and, 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 you know, it, it, looking back, man, I, I was, I, for the grace of God, what saved me, my mom, she urinated herself, like, they got me down right in front of her, um, what saved me is there was an ambulance actually having lunch up the street, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, they kind of like, they, they, they seen what happened, they were already on the scene. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, through that experience, I was automatically paralyzed. I remember laying on my back, looking into it. It was a beautiful day. I remember looking into the sky. I could just hear the, you know, when people say it, it's just as a, a numbness to your body. Anybody that got shot, they'll tell you there's a numbness. And then it, eventually the numbness turns, turns into some type of burn. 
And I remember automatically when I tell you, um, two things that came in my head, they're gonna kill me. And once I got hit and I was laid out, I was like, I can't feel my legs. So it was instantly my life shift. Shifts to, you know, a, a whole different animal. And, um, you know, in the midst of me being a paraplegic, um, now a minute ago, I was wearing an S on my chest. I was making money. I had the females. I had the, you know, I had everything I wanted. I, I, was contr I had control of my life now. I didn't even know what life was. I'm wearing diapers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now I'm having accidents on myself. Now I'm where I, 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 I had to use catheters that were about 16 inch wide and, and six, you know, about 16 inch deep. And I have to put the catheter inside my, my, my private area so I could get into my bladder so I could urinate. Um, when I tell you everything, like change from seconds, seconds. And obviously everybody that was running with that, that I used to run with, nobody was there. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a few things that you actually go through and you really find out what's what and who's who. You see that you're sick in the hospital, you're locked up behind bars, or, or you, you get put in a situation that your life changes and then you find out who's who. Um, through the midst of all that, you know, I had to re, reinvent myself and kind of like re... And, and I'll be honest, it took, it took me a while because I was in a very dark place. Um, I have no respect for, for life at that point. Um, there's two things that happen with anybody that goes through any trauma. You either become a phobia to that situation or you emerge yourself into that situation. Um, what do I mean by that? So instead of being scared of guns, like now I was just, I, I was just, I wanted guns. So I used to carry one, now I carry like five. So I was going to be in a chair. Now I have one on me. I have two and then be like two or three other dudes with like, uh, that was, that was my thing at that point. Um, so it was getting very scary. And, and, and I remember saying to myself, May 2nd of 94, when I got, got the gun down, um, I got to a point that I just didn't have no respect for life, but then something happened. And, um, I had a beautiful young lady, um, come into my life and it was my daughter. It was December 14 of 94. And that right there, there was another shift in my life. And um, I promise you that that year was a sweet and bitter year. Um, but, you know, now I had a, another human being in my hands. And, and you know, that became, that became my why. That became, you know, it, it was bigger than me. It, it was like, not, you know, because at the end of the day, I, I, I was a very loyal. I am a very loyal person. Um, but... Like I've realized that if I can't be loyal to mines, I don't mean nothing. So I had yeah. to, I had to really, I had to really change my mindset, and it wasn't easy because I was still, I was still immersed. I was, I was so immersed into it that it was just very hard to really. But I knew in my heart I had to. And May, May uh, December 14 of '94, that baby girl when I nine pounds 14 ounces was in my hands, that bundle of joy. And I heart beeping uh, 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 in my chest and, and, and she just looking at me smiling. And I was just like, wow, like, okay. All right, so I get it. Now I'm going to fight, but I'm going to fight different. Now you know, I'm going to fight, but it's a whole different struggle, yeah. It's crazy, you know, like uh, that experience of, you know, when that baby's born and they put that baby in your arms. Oh, man. Like, like, like guys that I'm around now, you know, I tell them all the time, like, man, like it's one thing to know that the baby, you know, you can feel the baby move and you know, you're about to have a baby, you know, it's real. But like that moment of like, 
wow, like, like God has really made this, <laughs> you know, like, like, man, it changed, it changes your life. Like, like you say, your perspective. Instantly. Instantly. Yeah. It changes your life instantly. And, um, I don't, I don't know how some folks don't experience that. Like, cause that's, a, that's, that's one of the most uh, beautiful thing in life period. It's just your own, your DNA, God giving you something that is part of you. Um, yeah, man, but it, it really did. It put it changed my life, man. So that's how I, I you know, uh, I ended up in, in a wheelchair at the age of 17. A little bit. I stood there in Connecticut for a couple more years. Um, and just being still being hard-headed. I'm not going to go nowhere because nobody's going to run me out of nowhere. You know, just, you know, just retarded. Just being, just being silly, right? Hard. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm hard, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so eventually, I, I I wasn't keeping up with myself because I'm a paraplegic now, right? So I didn't get it. Certain things I can do, certain things I, I needed to do, and I wasn't doing anything. So I was falling into a hospital catching urine, urine infections. I was getting skin breakdowns. I was, you know, and because I still thought I could be out there 12, 13, 14 hours and, and not taking care of my body and not emptying my, my bladder because I was still smoked out. And just certain things that was just like, like, you could, you could continue doing what you're doing, but I promise you, this is going to take a different turn. Yeah. Uh, so eventually I got sick and I ended up leaving in Connecticut and I moved out to Massachusetts. My grandmother was out there for, for like, she was out there for a couple of months. I ended up going up there and then she decided to get up and leave. And I just didn't want to go to New York. She wanted, we originally from New York. My family's from out there from the Bronx. And um, she wanted to go back to the city. And I just didn't want to go to the city. So I ended up homeless out there for like three years, mm. you know? Um, and what does that mean? Um, I wasn't homeless, like uh, eating off of trash or anything like that. I was homeless in the fact that I was jumping from apartment to apartment. Um, I met a couple of people because when, when I was staying at my grandmother's house, the, I, I decided to go back, get my GED. In the midst of that, I, my mother took my daughter. So like that, um, her mom actually had signed papers over from the day she was born. Um, my mother took my daughter and, and she was able to raise her for the first years of her life. And I would see her every summer or whenever I, you know, um, was able to go see her because I was in no condition to actually do what I needed to do as a father. Um, so I knew she was, she was in my mom's hands. Um, besides the fact that she would, you know, lose it and, and, and was always on my neck. She actually gave my baby girl what she needed and it was just love. Um, after that, I, I would stay in people's houses and, and I would, I remember saying, like I would come on certain people just to visit and I would act like I would fall asleep in their sofa just so they didn't have to throw me out or I didn't have to leave. You know what I'm saying? That's just like, that's where it was at. Like I, people would be like, yo, it's that time. And I'll just act like I'm sleeping because I didn't want to go out into the cold. I'm from up North, man. So we don't got that good weather all across the, you know, we, it's cold. It, it's cold out here. Certain times it's cold. Um, and I remember going through that, and I remember staying at this shelter named, uh, the, it was the pit shelter, and I remember going through that experience. And um, between that pit shelter, pit shelter, that's what they call it, the pit shelter. That's like the bottom of the bottom. Like, like when I was in there and I had to stay there certain certain times, like I would sleep with one eye open, one eye closed. I, I could see everybody kind of looking at me like a victim because I'm in a chair. A lot of drug addicts, a lot of individuals that, you know, they just see it like a quick, uh, you know, a quick uh, opportunity to take whatever you have. Um, and I knew better, so my demeanor was just like, yo, um, you could try, but we're we not making this easy. Yeah. And um, I remember, like, laying in the cot, 
it would be so disgusting that I didn't even want to lay, but I didn't, you know, I can't stay outside. And between that and um, I caught myself in a, in a, in a, in a snowstorm and that snowstorm, um, I got stuck on the sidewalk and I promise you, I got stuck cause I'm in a wheelchair. There's a blizzard going on. You can't even really see anything in front of you. And as I, I'm on the sidewalk, I remember getting stuck. And when I mean stuck, I come forward, left, you know, like back and forth, like I'm stuck on the sidewalk, literally. Nobody around. I started tearing. And I remember it was so cold, my hands were numb. And I couldn't even put my hands on my on my tires, on my wheels, because it was just the metal on the wheels for me to push. Like I I, I was close to getting frostbites. And I and I, I promise you, I wasn't even, I was, my tears came, I was so angry. I was just angry where I was in life. Like I wasn't angry, like for say, because I was like, I felt that moment that I was stuck there. Like I was stuck in life. Like I come, like, like that's how my life felt. Yeah. Like I was stuck and, and something shift. Like I, I, I made a promise to myself. I was like, yo, like I'm not gonna go through this again. I'm not, I'm not gonna go through this anymore. And, 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 and in time in life, you have to go through something, just you gotta make a decision. Now I remember this gentleman came out of nowhere, pulled his car over. And he was like, yo, you all right? And I was just like, you know, prideful, like, nah, I'm good. You know, and he's like, nah, man, like, let me, let me at least put you, let me bring you to the street where it's plowed so you can get, I'm like, nah, I'm good. My man was not having it. He's like, yo, I, I can't leave you out here. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push you into the street. And he, he finally pushed me into the street, disappeared, never seen the do again, right? But he got me out of being stuck at that moment and I continued with my journey. But that moment right there, that right there is when I declare war on life. That right there is when I declare war on everybody and anything negative in my life, and I re and I refuse to 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 have taken and accepting what what life was giving me at that point because I truly believe that life is what you make it, and that was that turning point when I decided that I was not only do for myself, but I was going to do for everybody around me and my daughter, and I was going to become the person I was going to sacrifice who I was to become who I wanted to be. That moment right there, uh, for the grace of God, I went and drove by a school, and um. A couple months after that, that spring kicked in and I drove by a school and um, there was this young lady in front of this building. I told my friend, because he was driving, I told him, yo, pull over. She was real cute. And um, I, she was all dressed in white. So I, I, you know, in the midst of all that, prior to this event, obviously I, I, I started, get, I, I tried to look for jobs. I tried to do, you know, just trying to do the right thing. Just really trying to do the right thing. Because I promise you that moment that I spoke of, that was a shift in my life. That was a moment that I was just like, I had it. Like you really got to hit a certain point in your life when you just make that decision. Like I'm not gonna live like that. So that moment that that I um I I, I seen that young lady. I started. I pulled over. Started talking to her. She's dressed in white. So I'm trying to be cute, and I'm like, Yo, I need a nurse because she was dressed in white. She was like, She looked at me like, Beautiful, beautiful. Like I'm not a nurse, first of all. I'm like, but I'm in a wheelchair. She's like, I don't care. Um. And I was like, but why are you dressed in white? She's like, well, this is a beauty school back here. And I was like, a beauty school? So I was bugging out. You know, I, I was, I promise you, I was just like, beauty school, what does that mean? She's like, well, it's, it's, it's where we come get certified to become a stylist or barbers or, you know, nail techs or whatever story is. So I was just bugging out. At that point, I just, I just told, I told my man, I said, yo, get my chair. He was like, yo, dude, we got things. I was like, get my chair. So I got my chair, I went into the school. And I just started asking questions, man, because my thing, my biggest thing was just, uh, um, my biggest thing was just pretty much, you know, I would use my, ch I, I, I was so uncomfortable with my situation at times and so embarrassed that I would make jokes of it just to, just to 
you know, deal deal with 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 with, with what was with what really was going on inside of me, right? Like somebody that's heavy set yeah. making is always making heavy set jokes. Ah, I'm fat. Usually, when you got folks doing things like that, that's how they get comfortable, and that's how they they deal with what they really feel. Um, I was handicapped, so I would do handicapped jokes. You know what I'm saying? So I, I remember I used to I used to go to the military. Stop at the at the recruits office and you know wherever I was, I was pull into and be like, yo, listen, I'm over here to sign up, and they're like, ah, oh. and I just get a kick out of what they were saying because they just wanted to be politically correct on how they worded it. Like, dude, you in the chair? I, we can. I was like, y'all cook, I'll type, I'll. I just need something, and they just it, so I got a kick out of that. So that day when I went into that school, that was my mentality to be honest with you. And I remember the receptionist, she was like, okay, cool. Um, she called the instructor over. Mr. Quinto came out, which is the, the instructor at that time. And um, I said, well, yeah, I, I want to be a barber. She brought me to the clinic floor, and, and I promise you, bro, I, I never left the building. Mm. 17 years after, um, you know, I, I not only I graduated from there, but I became an instructor. Uh, now multiple, I've had multiple barbershops. At this point, I have a, I have a barbershop with 11 chairs. Um, I've, I've become not only a licensed uh, barber and a licensed instructor barber, but I'm a licensed cos. I'm a licensed instructor cos. Um, I've also been part of the state barbering board for several years, and I was always and I was actually an, an evaluator. So what do that mean? Um, not only I educated, but I was one of the ones that actually test you for your testing. And then if you did get licensed and got kind of crazy and got caught out there, and and the, and, and and you did something unlawful, unlawful in the in the barber or beauty industry. I would recommend you on the board level. So I was on all all aspects. So I pretty much dominated my area in the last seventeen years in a wheelchair, where it's an industry that consists of brothers and sisters cutting 12, 13 hours if you're lucky behind the chair. Yeah, and that's and that's that's one thing that I've been doing for the last uh, seventeen years. So it's just that. Oh wow. What's um what's three things that you've accomplished in your life that you're proud of? Three things. I would have to say my baby girl. That's that's one my best accomplishment. And like I like I said, it's it saved my life. My GED. Yeah. Right? I, I was in business for 10 years, own shops, teaching. Um, traveling around the country and, and doing platform work and all that. And I remember going back for my GED because I, I'm a ninth grade dropout and I was only in high school for like about a couple months. And I remember somebody telling me like, why are you going back? Like, you got money, you good. I was like, just the fact that you asking me that is crazy. Yeah. I, I go back because I'm the type of individual that I just don't like starting something and not finishing it. And um, I promise you, after after a certain amount of years of, of me getting my stuff together, I went back, got my GED, and I cried, bro. I, I That right there, that was, I, I got a, a January 6th, it's the Jorge Sierra Day in Worcester, Massachusetts. I got a day after me, January 6th. And I promise you, that didn't do anything for me. Like, I, I, I grew up fighting for blocks, and I got a name after me. Like, it was dope. I'm not going to lie to you. That was dope. I, it's geek. It looks good on your resume. Yeah. But if you had to ask me what you was the most proud of, besides my daughter, that GED. Like, I, I cried for that GED. You know why? One of my biggest things was always wanted to go to college. I always wanted to know how that college life is. Obviously, I, I didn't go to, to Yale, Harvard, or anything like that. But I got, I got to go to the community college that, I, that, that just around the way. 
and I got to say, I did some courses. I, I, I got to say, I finished the semester. Like that right there, that was movement for me. That was that once I got that GDA, that meant I could go to college. And I, that's exactly what I did. I went straight up and signed up. Um, my third thing was just after 23 years, man, I'm walking. Yeah. Mm. Yep, walking. Walking. That's awesome, man. Been through a lot of stuff. And, you know, you talked about, you know, going the, the schooling and, but man, you you've really been schooled on the school of life, <laughs> and your story is is one that's really amazing. What's your what's your definition of success? Creating value in other people's man, just just creating value. To me, we all have different meanings of success. Some people want to be financially at peace. Some people want the world. Some people just want cars. Uh, to me, success. Um, and I've, I've, I've been at different levels in my life that I thought success meant anything else, you know, different things. But right now at 41 and going through what I've gone through and, and the growth and the, the pain and the, and the happiness, um, creating value, a, being able to create value in people's life, that to me is success. Okay. What do you think? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that, 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 that was it. Okay. What do you think it takes to achieve success? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> I got my core, my core principles, man. So I live by my faith, right? Okay. Hard work, consistency, and always willing to stay uncomfortable will lead you to greatness. Repeat that for us again, please, if you don't mind. Of course. So my faith, I, I, I you know, I, my God first, then me, and everything else follow. Hard work. Like, you know, faith without work behind it is dead. Consistency. You just got to be consistent. I'll chop that tree down. And even if it takes me 10 years, it's coming down. If you keep hitting it in the same spot, all right? You know, that whole hit it here, hit it there. Nah, just hit it the same spot at your pace, at your strength. I promise you, you're going to hit timber. It might not be as quick as you want it, but it's coming down. And then just the willingness to stay uncomfortable. And that's the biggest thing, man. Like, I, biggest thing with me in my life is that I don't care about losses. I've been losing all my life, right? But the fact that for me to be that could have, should have been individual, it's not in my DNA. I need to find out, like, whether, like, that loss, I'll take that loss. But that loss might turn into a win. And, and, and so what I've been consistent with is just getting little wins. And little wins will eventually turn into big wins. And I promise you that tree comes down and it has come down. And I got a couple of more trees that I'm chopping up and I'm, 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 I'm ready. But those are my four core values that I stick by and, and always have been. And, and it's just been able to allow me to walk in my purpose, um, aspire to be great, and, and really, really um, create value not only in my life, but everybody else's around me. Man, that's amazing. That gave Thank me you, praise God. Like, like all glory to my father. Like, I'll be honest with you. I'm just here. I'm a vessel. I, everything I'm going through is just a testimony on how much love he has for me and, 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 and where he puts me, man. And I, I, I'm not ashamed to say that, man. Like, like uh, I've been stretched, but it was for a reason. And I'm just here to um, guide uh, those that are in the dark space where I was. And, um, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm here to just pull my brothers and sisters up. And I'm blessed to be in that position. That's it. You know, you talked about, and this will be the last question. Um, you know, you, you talked about, you know, your, your whole life story, uh, you know, from, from growing up, what you were involved in, uh, you know, uh, to the, the accident, you know, when you got shot, uh, 
the the next phases and you know finding yourself within that and you know, getting to where you are and then you know going through uh, the things you've done as you start to mature and achieve some things and going through that you know to me and you said a word you know a few minutes ago we talked you said pain you know uh, if there's somebody that's watching the chronicles that have gone through you know pain or going through pain like you've been through what are some things that you could tell them to help them get through that you know pain because pain comes in many forms like actual pain pain of hurt to seeing your loved ones hurt you know all of those scenarios that you explain so to me and i can only speak of, uh, of what i've experienced in my space to me pain is temporary um, and, and, and it's not only temporary, but it builds character. And, and, and the reason I'm able to do what I do right now is because of my pain. And, and I never forget the pain that I was going through when I was going through it because that allows me never to go back to that. It's all character, it's all behavior, it's all how you, how you look at life. And, and my perspective on how I look at life is that as long as, you know, see, we could hear success, but if you don't have character, you'll never stay there. And we all can make it there, but staying there is a whole different point. Pain is part of life, and I promise you that pain will allow you to stretch you and allow you to conquer what's coming in front of you. And so life is going to punch you in your jaw. Life is going to do what it does, right? Um, and it's like a, you, anybody that's been into a fight, you're going to get hit. You're going to get hit, but what happens is you just got to learn how to bob and weave. And that doesn't mean you're, gonna get, you're not going to get hit again, but what happens is you get numb to certain certain hits. And now you understand that, like, I, I'm going to watch for that left hook. Like, I, I, know, what th I know what that did last time. Um, so I encourage that don't get caught in the pain itself. I promise you, every time I go through a surgery, I've had four major surgery in the last four years, and we didn't get into this because, like I said, we, we probably need a couple more hours. But I had skin breakdowns because I am on my, I'm, I'm my, I'm my behind for 12, 13 hours grinding, cutting hair, speaking, traveling the country. I've gotten multiple uh, skin breakdowns, which turned into bone infections. So three years ago, I was in the hospital for, for a year in the same bed, in a nursing home, in the same room. Like, talk about pain. Talk about like really like like not moving like like in the same spot using the bathroom washing my mouth eating in the same bed for a whole year just six months ago I went through the same surgery again but this time guess what check this out I remember what pain was for a year so we cut that down to six months this time because I was able to learn from that situation yeah. and if I had to do anything it's just learn right we're gonna go through it but if you eliminate limit as much as you can for the next time that comes around you're winning and and that's just my thing man don't get stuck on on, on neutral don't have that paralyzed mindset always always look at life like it's like it's, it's going to give you the extra and, and you're going to be able to um um i'm sure every moment to grow as an individual and that's what i've done i've embraced the good and the bad well thank you so much for your time uh, man, you know, and I've said this, your story is amazing and your story is inspiring to, uh, to, it's going to be really inspiring to others that see this. And I know everybody that's blessed to be around you to hear, uh, your story, I know your life. I, I know that they're inspired as well. And, you know, just 
you know, God bless you, man. Just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. And uh, thank you guys for watching this episode of Success Chronicles. We'll see you next time. God bless. God bless, Chip. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, man. Go get it. Thank you to Best Life Coaching Society for sponsoring this episode of the Success Chronicles. www.bestlifecoachingsociety.com <laughs>